Welcome to the Composer Chris Cast. This is episode 5, and today I will be talking with Nathan Montgomery. Nathan is a friend of mine from years ago. We uh, were at the same school working and taking some classes together. And he is now a PhD student in philosophy of religion at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I believe he only has his dissertation left to go. So uh, congrats to him for almost being finished. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a subject that he's written a lot about and plans on writing his dissertation on. And that is how literature and stories impact virtue. And if that sounds like something like, what? What does that even mean? Then you have come to the right place because we're going to have a good discussion. So without further ado, here is my chat with Nathan Montgomery. Nathan, thanks so much for joining me on my uh, brand new and young uh, composer, Chris Cast. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. We've uh, done this a couple times in the past, but uh, it's been a while and um, the world has gone through some changes, I think, since the last time <laughs> we talked. But just uh, um, a few. Yeah. But I always remember when we you know, had classes together, working at the same place, uh, we always had good, fun conversations. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to have you here and talk about uh, what you've been doing and what you're working on as a uh, PhD philosophy student. Yeah. So I'm doing my. Uh... PhD in philosophy of religion now at a Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, so I'm past all coursework comps, so that's great. Um, yes. So doing that, uh, so I'm really, you know, up the weeds, you know, working on uh, research and starting to do writing. Um, and uh, I'm focusing on stuff in what's kind of value theory, if you want to break down to the specific field of philosophy which is like yes. ethics and uh, aesthetics you know so those, those type of issues and uh, my uh, research focuses on both of those topics specifically so it's pretty cool i was getting a master's of divinity thought i was doing like ministry stuff um but all those doors just kept shutting down you know and then a professor said, hey, I don't know what you need to do in, but you should do a PhD in something because you're just geared towards it. And I'd always kind of had that academic research type mentality, I guess, if you will. Um, and then and then I uh, met uh, Paul Gould, um, who's now uh, Palm Atlantic, and after one conversation with him, the first conversation we'd ever had, he said, okay, you need to do a PhD, you need to do it with me. Now <laughs> things have changed and I didn't get, I'm not going to get to finish with him, but I still keep up with him. Yeah. But that was kind of like, oh, philosophy. And like, I had never even taken a philosophy course until my last semester of my master's. So I don't recommend this route <laughs> to a PhD in a field is not taking any courses until you're trying to get into a PhD in that field. But that's what I did. Um, so it's more like, okay, I'm going to do philosophy. Um, I didn't know this, but I've always been interested in philosophy. I just didn't know that's what it was. Ah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So like my, my grandfather was an English and philosophy guy. So I grew up around that with him and my dad talking. Um, and then in college, I was having all these conversations with friends, most of them non-Christians. Um, 
just debating ideas in which now I look back and go, oh, I'm having philosophical conversations. I just didn't know that's what it was. Uh-huh. And then my mom, once I started doing philosophy, she goes, we should have known you're going to do this. You're always so concerned with having right definitions of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, which if you do analytic uh, philosophy, that's a lot of uh, definition is what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was kind of philosophy, but like aesthetics is more like, so I'm heavily influenced by literature. Um, my family, like some of my earliest memories of my parents reading uh, books mm. to me. Nice. My, like I was always surrounded by books. Um, I read voraciously growing up and uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were two especially influential people in my life. So I'd always been thinking about stories and why do stories matter mm. off and on for years. Um, and then while I started doing work in my PhD, I just more and more was like, it just kept awakening more and more like, Oh, what, what, what is this? You know, like, why do stories matter so much to us? Like, I think we all think they matter. Right. I mean, we all we just tell stories like we're storytelling creatures by nature um and we love listening to stories um as well and like we know they they do something to us but Mm -hmm. often we don't really stop and think about what do they do to us um and uh so i always knew i want to do something with stories and philosophy but it took a while to figure out the exact like trajectory of what i was going to do yeah. And so now you're, uh, you sent me a couple of your recent writings and I uh, read through them and you are interested in how uh, literature and stories, the effect they have on virtue. Now that's fascinating to me because a lot of times when we think of reading stories or watching movies or TV or something, we think of that as like escapism, you know, like, this is to get away from the real world or away from real life. But you're arguing, hey, wait a minute. This can actually shape who you are and how you think and how you uh, um, judge and interact with others and things like that. Is that fair to say? Yes, that'd be very fair to say. Yeah, I, I think they matter more than just escapism, though. I mean, even like Tolkien, he has a really great essay called On Fairy Stories, which mm-hmm. you've never read. You should read On Fairy Stories. It's amazing. Where basically it gives a defense of the reading and writing of fantasy specifically, though I think a lot of what he says, any type of literature, I think it, it holds well. Uh, but he actually argues not all forms of escapism are bad mm-hmm. um, um, to begin with. Like, of course, we want to escape, but escape how and in what way um but yeah i I think they do affect us um and specifically i think they affect us morally uh speaking um which i think we all believe this kind of intuitively Mm. we we may not have thought it out well but you're a parent right yeah there's things you don't want your your child reading or watching at a certain age right yeah of course yeah and, and because you know, like, it's going to affect them somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you may have not 
thought through exactly how and what way, but you, you recognize there's something going on. And then, I mean, you read like Plato all the way back, Plato, you know, he, he's arguing for censorship basically because he's like, it affects the children. We need to not let them read certain things. It needs to be approved by those who are educated, you know, the philosophers to make sure that it shapes them correctly. Mm. Um, and then Aristotle comes as, well, there's some, they're good for us if we use them right. So, I mean, off and on through the whole history of the ideas, there's been this belief that they somehow affect us, but I really want to know like, okay, how? what way is there uh, an example that you could kind of uh walk through or talk us through that you've interacted with or spent some time thinking about sure yeah so again since of my reference of what i grew up reading so much of uh take lord of the rings for example most of us have either read it or at least watched the movie so we're all pretty familiar with the story um and there's, you know, two characters, you know, Frodo and Sam, right? And they're going off on this journey together um, while all other stuff's happening. But but Sam, he, he exemplifies or, you know, gives us really good model of, like, what it means to be a friend, right? Like, like, he's such a good friend that he's even willing to carry his friend on his back up a volcano, right? Um to, to the bitter end thinking I'm not coming back from this. Like that's the type of friendship that Sam exemplifies, you know, to us. And I, and I remember for me as a kid, I, I want to be that kind of friend, right? I want to have that kind of courage, right? To like be willing to pick up someone and carry them all the way if I have to, to achieve a final end. I mean, and I think, you know, but also I think reading like growing up in Sunday school and in hearing the Bible stories, I mean, we hear stories of like David, right? It's like, I want to be that kind of have that faith in God, right? I want to be willing to, you know, trust him for all kinds of things. Or later, I hope I repent the way uh, David uh, repents or, you know, sling rocks at giants. I, yes. Right. You know, <laughs> like all, so as a young boy, it's all those type of stories, but like, but I mean, think of like having the faith of someone like, you know, Deborah, right? And like the type of faith she demonstrates, or you think of Mary, right? Like she's willing mm-hmm. to accept all the, like, that's going to happen to her from what she's done. Like those type of yeah. things, those stories matter too, right? Or, or Rahab, oh, how should I act if people come searching for mm. people to kill them, right? Like, we have those stories and they, I think they teach us something. Mm. Um, so like, I mean, there's really, I go on and on or another one for me is Les Miserables. Um, mm. It's my favorite musical. Um, okay. Not, not my favorite book. Cause it's too long. Um, <laughs> uh, Victor Hugo's a little dry at times, but overall story I love, but the musical it's my favorite, but I mean, there's so much in like the John Valjean character of like, you know, being changed towards love and how to just his whole transformation in his life trajectory that I find so appealing, um, morally speaking. Right. Mm. Um, so like, those are examples of like how 
what happens, I think, when we're reading. But I think to get more specific, like we first we should talk about what virtue is, right? Mm. We've been talking all this time and we haven't talked about virtue. You know, virtue <laughs> is just think of like an excellency, right? So um, or skill, you can do kind of both. So like to be morally excellent is to excel in some moral characteristic like courage, right? So often we think courage is a, a virtue um, and, you know, courage is being willing to take great risk including harm in order to do something that is good and right um we think of like um i'm trying to think i mean there's so many different virtues we can talk about courage comes up all the time so it's a good one um but think of like sam being a good friend again like right he he he's compassionate he's caring he like these are type of virtues we display so it's it's an excellency of our moral character um and to be virtuous or have a virtuous character is that you're you know apt or prone to do these type of virtuous actions um but that includes having you know good motives good emotions Mm. and good action like it's multifaceted what it takes to be virtuous so if we want to be morally excellent or morally virtuous, want to be good people with good character, we have to develop these character traits or these skills of taking virtuous action. And we, we develop them, I think, the same kind of same way we do, you becoming a good musician, right? You have to understand the music, right? Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to like, hear it you have to understand like what's going on when you see a note when you read it how they work together like there's a whole lot of knowledge you have to have but then to play it you also have to actually train your hands your mouth whatever part you're playing in order to correctly play that to play it well right so if you want to be a virtuous piano player you have to really practice moving your fingers in very specific ways something i have not developed (laughs) so to be a courageous person you have to practice doing courageous acts and having courageous motivations and emotions in order to do it right so i think literature stories be more broad because i think this is true for movies they help us practice at least in part, the development of these virtues, which is pretty controversial to claim. Mm. Um, Most people would think you have to, it's not enough just to read or watch something, but I think we can start developing virtuous emotions and dispositions by our interacting with characters and Mm. like, and seeing examples of them. So we get knowledge, of what virtue looks like and virtuous people. Um, but also I think we can actually start training at least our emotions to align properly. Yeah. And you, you've written a lot uh, or talked a lot about uh, uh, heroes, like looking at heroes in stories. Um, can you talk about how that fits in? Maybe like, I know there's a lot of writing on the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. Yes. Um, and of you know, and you know, we've seen that in movies like you know Luke Skywalker and Star Wars, Harry Potter and Harry mm. Potter, uh, Frodo. I guess you mentioned 
do you think it has to be an active thing where we're reading or watching this care and thinking, yes, I need to be like that? Or is it more like an observation, passive absorbing of uh, this, this hero is doing this and I want to be like that? Like, how do you think that works exactly? All right. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> so I, th I think there, it's both, <laughs> the, but in a different ways. So, um, first, you know, a hero usually when we talk like a moral hero, um, I think uh, it, it's someone who's taking like a risk, right, to mm -hmm. achieve some type of moral end, right. Um, I'm running. I'm charging an enemy line to take it in order to protect my friends from harm, right? So that's the moral end is safety of my fellow soldiers, um, but it's taking great risks to my life to take that courageous act. But we do this all the time, like standing up against a bully, right? This would be an, an act of courage, right? You're, you're risking harm of some sort for a moral end of justice, right? Um, so that's just a hero, um, but often in literature, I mean, we have these hero stories. So not every every story has a hero's mm -hmm. journey. Um, this is just one of multiple, you know, story types. But I think it's a a prominent story type. Um, mm -hmm. See it all throughout history and cultures, um, for sure. Uh, but as far as like what's happening, I think is when we're reading a story or watching a movie, um, we have to be active in the sense of like, we have to be, our imagination has to really be functioning well. Like mm -hmm. we have to be like engaged with the text actively, not just, um, in the sense of like, we're really in tune with it we're, we're really having a strong imaginative interaction uh, with what we're experiencing our our emotions and on our desires and our beliefs they all need to be like very actively involved in um the process um and so part of great better art is if it better activates or engages our imagination in our engagement with the text or piece of music right the better mm -hmm. it engages our emotions right the, the better that piece of music is in some regards um so in some way it's like a, the better the writer the more you're going to be drawn in and invested and and come become part of the story if you will right you, you you'll see yourself with the character or so there's different ways you're interacting with the character and your engagement. So you have to be very active in that way. Um, but when we see like acts of courage, um, I think what's going on is we, we intuitively like admire that, right? We, when we see someone doing something good or, you know, whether it's an act of kindness or an act of courage, um, an act of charity or honesty or humility, whatever these different virtuous actions we see, we recognize that and, and we admire it, right? We, 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 we think it's praiseworthy, if you will. Like, you're, you know, it's Luke is 
praiseworthy when he, you know, tries at, um, you know, in his actions of trying to overcome the empire, saving Princess Leia, like all these certain things he does, right? Like his willing willingness to leave home to help the galaxy, like these are praiseworthy things of courage, right? Um, or Harry Potter um, and some of the actions he takes, it's, it's praiseworthy. Um, mm-hmm. And that some of the research I've done, reading others like um, like Linda Zegzewski, she's done a lot on this, uh, thinks that the emotion of like admiration, it actually has a, a motivating force to it. Like it actually, when you admire something, you're motivated to imitate that so when i see a literary character you know do something morally virtuous and i admire that i i'm motivated then to want to be like them mm-hmm. in some way so so part of what literature does that or or stories do for us is they give us examples of moral exemplars of people that we want to be like in certain respects and it motivates us to be like that. So the more stories we engage with, where we see more and more characters engaging in the same type of morally excellent things like courage, the more we will be motivated to try to become courageous ourselves. So in one sense, that's happening to us. But I also think when we're actually having like an engagement imaginatively with the text itself, like when we have this seeing ourselves as CS with other eyes, like he talks about seeing, you know, becoming a thousand other characters and like being able to see through your eyes and experience them. You have this enlargement of yourself experience. Um, when you're doing that, you're actually making, em- you're having emotions, you're making moral judgments, you're, 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 you're developing desires or pa- like all these things are happening when we read a story, right? Like you're actually emotionally judging. This is a virtuous act. This is a just act. This is an unjust act. Like you're doing those things. And I, I think the more we do that, the more stories we engage with at this type of level, that whether we know it or not, we are developing our emotional dispositions, our motivations and our desires to align with with those stories like that's been highlighted the morals that are being highlighted so in that sense i think we're like cultivating your uh your soul towards uh virtue whether you know it or not Uh, but it does take the active engagement with your imagination being invested in the story emotionally all those different ways and in order for it to happen. Mm. So if you're if you're checked out from a story, if you're not fully engaged with it, then it's not going to have any effect on you. Mm. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, the, the the Bible earlier, some of those characters and stories, and King David in particular. What finally uh, got him to realize that he had committed this wicked thing, uh, you know, killing a, a husband of a woman, so he could be with her yes um he's yes. convicted of that through a story this prophet comes to him and tells him this story about a a guy who had a one precious precious lamb that he took care of and 
the neighbor who had everything came and took that one and David is outraged like how dare you do that that man should be put to death and then of course the famous thou art the man thou art the man yes he drops the mic so yeah I mean we we see that even even in the Bible that these stories can uh, and Jesus of course also told parables to get most of his points across and so it's right very, I mean yeah as a you know a Christian like I don't think we've stopped in long enough and just thought, why is so much of the Bible narrative? Mm. Like God could have just given us all just propositional statements, right? right? Mm-hmm. God Proverbs. is good. Yep. God is just, you are only supposed to do this and just given us a whole list of like actions, but he doesn't primarily do that. He primarily gives us narrative. He gives us lots of poetry and you know, yes. songs and so much of the Bible is, you know, non-proposition, propositional mm. and, and form. It's, it's narrative. So I've always wondered why. And mm. yeah, maybe it's because it has some type of effect on us more than just giving us knowledge. Mm. It, it, not that it doesn't give us knowledge. That's a major po- component, but it's more than just knowledge. It, yeah. it actually affects us in some way um use good edwards talk it shapes our affections mm, you know yes. in some way so um, well you think of the, you know all the 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 lines that start stories like once upon a time if you hear that or read that song you kind of lean in like oh okay where are we going here right or the the even better version of that a long time ago when that galaxy yes, kind of far away. <laughs> but but yeah you hear that stuff or um, going back to uh, Jesus in the New Testament a little bit, you know, um, Jesus being asked, well, who is my neighbor? Okay, Jesus doesn't say your neighbor is someone who blah, blah, blah. He jumps into a story. Right. Right exactly. away. And yeah, I think we, we process just as humans, we process stories. So well, we're wired for it, I guess, in some way. We just, we want to go here. We want to read. We want to go to the movies we want to be um yeah we want we want to see we want to experience um real things happening and not just reading a list of do this do this don't do this and that's the book of leviticus and that's where you know everyone you know checks out and right i mean i i think this is part of why jesus was so brilliant Mm. was he was such a good storyteller like Mm. i mean what we call the, you know, parable of prodigal son, right? I mean, the good Samaritan, like these stories are just so well crafted, mm. you know, and, and they're so well told. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we tell stories all the time to try to teach each other things, to train each other uh, towards things. Um, so I just, I think we're narrative creatures. Yeah. Like it's in our DNA. We can't help but live it, do it, tell it listen to it um and i think in part it's because we know it shapes us morally yeah. some way whether we know how or not and hopefully by the time i'm done i can give at least a possible way yes. in which in which it works and I, yeah. I think so you know i'm just thinking about this now but some of the best conversations i've had with my kids who are all between 14 and 21 right now some of the best conversations we've had, my wife and I, is when we're telling them stories of our lives 
where we learned something, where we made a mistake mm-hmm. or where we, you know, made a decision that led to, you know, this, when we do that through our own experience and telling uh, a story of it, they listen so much more than if we were just saying, now you should do this because, blah, blah, or you shouldn't do that because, blah, blah. you know, it, so it's interesting. I, I just, like I said, I just thought of this now, but like even there, even right. there, I'm talking to my kids, a life story goes so much farther and gets them so much more engaged and probably shapes them more than if I just said, Oh, you should do blah, 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 blah. Right. And I mean, and I think there's a real quick, a couple of reasons why it's concrete in a way, mm. right? It's not just an abstract idea. It's like, no, here's a real life scenario of like, mm how something happened and it affected a real person in a real way. And even though if you do a fictional story that's like far out in space, the motivations are the same, the emotions are the same, like the, the universal aspects of the story are true no matter what. Um, and so it's still concrete, you know, makes it more concrete in a way that if we just talked about goodness in this very generic abstract sense, we wouldn't be able to grasp. Mm. And then, and then two, it's engaging, not just your, you know, knowledge or your mental aspects. It's, it's engaging your, your emotions, your heart, your affections, like mm. it's engaging both parts of you. And, and we're more than just uh, a rational mental being. Like we, we have a affection, part of us an emotional mm. heart of us as well so stories reach both yeah yeah so if there's uh, someone who wants to learn more about this or think about this until your book comes out <laughs> um what are some uh what are there some other resources maybe or books that uh, um people could check out right so <laughs> give some quick easy ones and some hard ones so so two things from c.s lewis that have been very helpful for me thinking about this is abolition of man Mm -hmm. um and then an experiment in criticism so in abolition of man he talks about why emotions matter right they're actually important for shaping and then experiment criticism he in his epilogue section he talks a lot about this enlargement of oneself. Um, Karen Swallow Pryor's on reading well. Um, it yes. sparked a lot of my thinking about this as well, especially her, yeah. her introduction um, has a lot there. Um, then uh, so I always forget which order his name goes. It's either Marshall Gregory or Gregory Marshall. I think it's Marshall <laughs> Gregory. Um, he has a book uh, sh- shaped by stories. Mm. Um, so this that that's probably actually the best one for just like a like a, co- a coherent full argument for being shaped by literature but he's coming out from a literary critic professor of literature side hmm. um and then, then philosophy wise uh martha nussbaum has a book called love's knowledge that's essays on philosophy and literature where she talks about this some um, and then Linda Zegzewski, if you want to get real deep in philosophy too, has a book, Moral Exemplarist Theory, mm. where she develops a lot of the exemplar, but she'll talk a lot about the importance of 
hmm. narrative as well. Those, those, those are a few from like kind of really entry level to like really in-depth philosophy. Yeah. Um, part of where I'm coming in is I haven't read a lot of people who've tried to connect all the dots fully. Mm. So I'm trying to connect dots. So I don't, there may be something out there I don't know of, but most likely there is, mm. but there's not a lot that just connects all the dots in like a really full way. So that's where I'm trying to step in and connect. So you more have to read different parts of things and try to see how it works yourself. Mm. Well, that's what your book can yeah. do is connect all the dots. Right. <laughs> well, great. Nathan, we'll this, was, this is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining yeah. me. And uh, let's connect again down the road, maybe on uh, Star Wars yeah. or uh, uh, some other, you know, yeah, there's a lot we could catch up on. <laughs> but uh, for sure. As always, good to talk to you. And yeah, uh, really thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time. And please tell Dr. Inman that I said hello next time you uh, interact with him. <laughs> will do. Will do. All right. Thanks. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye.